This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Wednesday to all of you. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to our campus in Stevens Point. Those of you who are joining us online, I know a lot of you from the Fox Valley campus are just gathering together tonight as well to do watch parties. We're just so delighted to have you all with us. Um, You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about as I was coming up today and preparing for this message as well. There's kind of this theme that God has been working on in my life right now. And it is just this. It is just to be present wherever it is that I am. So my hope is that when I have conversations with people, I'll actually be fully into the conversation, not thinking about the online order that I forgot to pick up from Kohl's for about three weeks, because that creeps in every now and then. But you know, so if I'm reading something, my hope is that I'll fully engage with whatever it is that's in the text. And if I'm worshiping, that I will just fully be present in that moment as well. So I got to tell you before I came up and Pastor Keith was doing the, um, the few moments here to welcome you, I was thinking to myself, Lord, whew, okay, you got to help me shift gears because I was really enjoying that moment. <laughs> it's so good to just have some time to just bathe ourselves in his presence, isn't it? That is a presence that I always want to be fully aware of. Um, can we just, Stevens Point with Austin and Fox Valley, I know you're not in person tonight, Ezra, our music team, can we just celebrate the Celebration music team for a moment? Aren't they amazing? My goodness. They have been, our, our team here anyway, just different people kind of getting sick last minute, lots of adjustments for them. And they come in and you would never know it because they just bring what God has gifted them to do. And they just you know, you put God's presence over it and they just like hit the mark every time and we're just so blessed by them. Um, I do also just want to give a quick thank you to Pastor Mark. He of course is not here this evening. That's why you're seeing me. Um, But not just for the opportunity to speak, which I am thankful for, but um, each week we gather together all of the pastors who are on staff and then I, I sit in those meetings as well. And Typically, when we start those meetings off, Pastor Mark, more often than not, opens us up in prayer. And when he does, he just has this tone of such honor and respect for the opportunity that God has given us here with all of you. And so when you sit in that, it just kind of washes over who you are as well, right? So I stand here tonight and I just, uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity, but more than that, like I just feel honored that I get to just be present with you and with those of you who are joining us, of course, online as well. So I'm so grateful to him for that as well. And I'm just really excited to be here with you tonight. But um, can we just open it up in prayer? I just need to like get myself reshifted here. (laughs) So if you wouldn't mind joining me, let's pray. (sighs) Lord, I'm so grateful that you are always present. 
And God, I pray that for the next 30 minutes, you would help each one of us to be fully present as well. That the cares of this world, those things that are fighting for our attention, would just go strangely dim. And I pray that our hearts and our minds would be focused on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So I was listening to a radio program this week and the DJ had asked the listeners to call in um, and share a word with him that would complete this phrase. And this was the phrase, 2020, the year of blank. So I want you to think about it for a second. How would you fill in that blank? 2020, the year of clarity. That's what it was supposed to be, right? <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Uh, clarity, confusion, calamity. See my little C trend I have going on there? I can keep at it. Creativity, constipation. <laughs> it could kind of feel that way. It's a little bit painful. There was one caller though who called and they gave me a C word that I thought, yes, that about sums it up. And the word that they used was chaos. You know, we don't have to look very far to see the chaos that has just kind of been ruling around us between the virus and the politics and the racism and the protests and on and on and on, right? But I do want to just pause before I go much further and unpack this. I want to assure you, in case you're like, oh dear, this message tonight is not going to focus on the chaos. I promise you that. <laughs> because in addition to the fact that God has really just had it on my heart to engage in being fully present, the other thing that he's really been working on me these last couple of months about is the fact that I need to really be asking him to help me see the good of what's been going on in 2020. And I assure you, and I hope that you can identify them as well, there really have been blessings upon blessings. So then we're gonna take a few moments to, to unpack chaos. I promise you, we're not gonna camp there. This isn't one of those, one more like doom and gloom, oh, let's talk about how awful the world is. Because <laughs> I don't wanna stay there either. <clears throat> but here's the thing, I don't know if you've noticed this, like when I get into the middle of chaos, when I just experience the, the chaotic things of my life, I, I think sometimes it's very hard to see where God is in the middle of it. And I don't know if it's because chaos is just so contrary to his nature or if it's something that's going on inside of me. So tonight I'm gonna take you through Psalm 46 and we're gonna spend just a little time exploring the nature of chaos, but also the nature of God in the middle of it. Now, before we read it, I do need to let you know that if you're not familiar, the book of Psalms is really just a collection of songs and poems, okay? Um, the Bible uses lots of different genres as part of its literature. And you may not have known this, but it's fascinating to me. Poems or the poetic genre actually makes up almost one third of the biblical text. So let's have an honest moment with each other. Those of you who are watching us online as well, I'm gonna need you to like make eyes with the people that you're in the room with, and those of us here as well. So just being honest, with each other, how many people are like, oh my goodness, I love poetry, love the symbolism, I understand it every time, I can hardly wait to get my hands on another poetry book. Wow. Well, that's an overwhelming response. I don't know about you online. So the truth of the matter is most of you are in the same camp as I am. And I tend to think, 
Here's how Becky Schomer's stance on poems. I think rhymes are cute. And this one is really a beaut. But most poems I just don't get. So I'd rather gloss them over and simply forget. Amen? <laughs> but here's the deal. So there's all this poetry. And unfortunately, because of course, it's been translated into English now. Not that they always use little rhymes, but for people like us who don't really like love the poetry, it's even harder because we don't even get to like catch those fun little rhythmic-y things that are happening with it. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is the poetic makes up one third of the biblical text. So at some point I have to push past what it is that I dislike and I have to just be simply present with the word of God. And in that place, then I just trust that he's gonna help me to grasp whatever it is that he has in that place. So, um, oh, and I should say this. So um, in case you're just not, because I noticed the overwhelming hands going up in the room. I don't know about those of you online. But anyway, one of the things about poetry that I've just had to learn over time, because I do struggle to, um, to totally appreciate what the poet brings. But here's something that the poet always strives to do. It is to create pictures of deeper concepts that they want us to grasp. Okay, so that's the goal of poetry. So as we go through some of this tonight, because Psalm 46 is a poem. Oh, aren't you so excited now that you came? <laughs> I promise you it's gonna be good. Um, so as we dig into it, we're gonna just look to unpack some of what it is that the poet intended for us to understand and get past just what we see at face value, okay? So we're gonna jump into it. We're gonna read the first three verses of Psalm 46. And I want you to know that the first verse is gonna sound probably very familiar to you, but I wanna encourage you so often when we hear something in the Bible that's familiar, it's kind of like we bring it to close right there. We think like, oh, yep, yeah, mm -hmm, done. And we stop listening to what it is that God has right behind it. So I'm gonna ask you to make sure that you just keep your hearts and your ears attuned to the all three verses that I'm about to read with you, Okay. So Psalm 46, verses one through three say this. God is our refuge and strength in ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, when you're a non-poetic type like me, we can read those words. And fortunately, we've probably all seen enough action movies or fantasy movies, <laughs> am I right? That you do kind of get this picture, right? I can imagine what it looks like for a mountainside to literally crumble because I'm pretty sure I've seen it in a movie. I can even imagine what it might look like for the earth below me to just completely give way and to be surrounded by surging storms and water yeah, I can visualize that as well. But here's the thing. That's not what God intended for us to get out of this. Remember, the poet is trying to paint a picture of a deeper concept that's at work. So um, verse one, the first verse that I read to you, it makes use of the word trouble. Okay, now trouble is one of those words that we all understand and it is a biblical 
theme, right? It doesn't hide in the pages of the Bible, like we just see it over and over. Almost every great hero of faith has their own trial, their own experience of trouble, something like that. It's right in front of us. So I think we understand it pretty well, but the thing we have to remember is the Psalm was written like, I don't know exactly, I didn't look at the date of it, I apologize, but let's say 4,000 years ago, right? Trouble 4,000 years ago looks a whole lot different than the trouble that we have today, right? Our ancient friends, they didn't have social media or the news plaguing them with, with all the things that come there, but they also didn't have the blessings and the privilege of the technology that we have here. Our troubles looked very different in our worlds but that didn't change the fact that trouble still exists. And what I love about this passage is that God doesn't stop right there. He didn't stop at verse one to say um, that I'm there for you when you're in trouble. Now let's move on. Now he could have, because the truth of the matter is he's God. And in case you haven't figured out clearly where we're gonna go with this message tonight is the fact that he can calm those storms, my friends. So we're gonna get to that, we're gonna unpack that. But he didn't stop there, because in my head I think, well, if I were God, then I might just be like, isn't that sweet, those little troubles that they have. But he doesn't do that, because what he wants us to understand by giving this to the psalmist is that he not only understands what the trouble is in our life, but he understands how it impacts us. And that's what we see in verses two and three, when he's talking about the, the world giving way underneath you. Like, haven't we all been there? when you just feel like your world is literally falling apart? The storms of life can be very unpredictable and they can be unstoppable. And you know, they come from places we don't even know. We might've been navigating trouble in our finances because of decisions we've made. And we can feel like we are on top of it. We've made all these strides and then bam, the transmission goes out on your car. You couldn't have predicted it. You've been working so hard and all of a sudden it's like, boom, there it is again. This is just the nature of these things, right? And God wants us to understand that he gets it. He gets it. He doesn't minimize it. He understands that when we go through it, it's very real and it can feel like literally all hell is breaking loose in our lives. And it matters to him. I love that he included in there. Now, after those words, when we get after verse three, depending on the translation you have of the Bible, it will use the word selah. Now, if you're not familiar with the word, it's not actually a Bible word, which is why you don't see it in every translation. It's a music word. So I told you that the Psalms are used for um, as songs or poems. So in music, we don't know exactly what Selah means, but we do know that musically, whenever Selah was there, it's meant to imply a pause. So God gives us this deeper understanding that he understands the nature of trouble and chaos in our lives, right? But I want you to know that this Psalm is not about trouble. I told you I wasn't gonna let that be the focus, right? It's not at all. The subject was given in the very first verse where they talked about the fact that God is our refuge and our strength in ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. You see what the Psalmist really wants us to understand is that God is in the middle of our chaos. He is that refuge and in ancient times, you know, it's funny, we have wildlife refuges, I feel like, but otherwise we don't use that word anymore. <laughs> but back in ancient times, a refuge was very important because it was literally a place of physical safety for people. 
Okay, so the ancients understood what it meant to have a refuge. And they knew that when the enemies were coming, you needed to get to your refuge, okay? And it was a place of strength because different refuges, depending on how they were built, what they were built of, it's like the story of the three little pigs in their houses, right? Like some could be knocked over easily and others weren't, but what they're saying is God is our refuge and he is our strength. So it is a strong, safe place to be with him. But what I love is he says he's ever present, help. He's close. We don't ever have to run to get to the refuge, aside from the shift that we need to make in our own hearts to get right there with him. Do you hear what I'm saying? And therefore we will not fear, the song goes on to say. So I love this. It's like God is saying, okay, okay, okay. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, I get it. You feel like your life is crumbling. I get it, I get it, I get it. Selah, pause. And then he goes on and the Psalm says this next, verses four through six. Say, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. Now, let me give you the Becky Schomer translation. There's water in the city. It makes it really pretty. You don't have to be real witty. Just come into the city. I like to refer to that as the BS translation of the Bible. Don't use it, my friends, don't use it, okay? But let me help you understand the picture that's being painted because again, we're all in the same boat, right? So what is it that God wants us to understand? What's the deeper truth that's going on there? When we're in these places of chaos, what does he want us to know? Well, here's the thing. Back in those days, I told you places of refuge, like you would have to go literally to places to be safe. Now, the other thing that was very common back then is that cities had walls around that. Most of you probably know that. The walls were extremely, extremely important because the walls are what kept the enemies out and kept your loved ones in. They kept wild beasts out and they kept your children in. I don't know what the contrast is to that one. But anyway, so that we, they were usually these very big walled communities. But the other thing about cities um, back in the ancient times is that they were very often placed along rivers. Now, the reason for that being one, of course, because it would provide them with a water source, which until they had some developments of things that helped them with water, that would of course be key, but it also afforded them opportunities to um, move some of the things through their areas. It was actually transportation and things of that nature. So the rivers were very important. But here's the thing, in those verses, it said there's, oh, I was gonna read you mine. There's water in the city, sorry. I won't read that one again. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. Now there is only one city where it was ever understood that God dwelt, and that is Jerusalem. It's the place where the temple was built, and it was always understood that that's where God's presence was until of course, now we live in the time of Jesus. So it's different for us. But before Jesus came, God's presence was always considered to be in a, in a place that way. Um, so anyway, so they're referring to the city of Jerusalem. Now remember, it says, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. Here's an interesting little tidbit about Jerusalem. Has anybody been there before? I have not but what I do know is there's no river in Jerusalem. 
So the question is, what's the deeper truth that God wants us to understand by saying, the river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells? And here's the thing, rivers throughout the scriptures are very, very symbolic. They're symbolic of salvation and provision and comfort. As New Testament believers, we know about um, Jesus being the living water, but what you might not know is that's actually an Old Testament concept as well. In the book of Jeremiah, they talk about um, going to the fountains of living water in regards to God. So that river itself is meant to represent the very presence of God that brings salvation and provision and comfort. So you see, my friends, during times of chaos, if we will just turn our hearts to that very present refuge and strength that God has for us right there, then we'll have that experience of that river of his presence running through it, and it will bring us comfort. Chaos doesn't have to define the experience of somebody who follows the Lord. We can have comfort in those times of chaos. And what I love about those verses as well is it says that, um, he says, God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Now, back in the ancient times, daybreak was the most common time for enemies to attack. And what's so cool is God is just helping us understand, you know what? His presence is not on his convenience. His presence is based on our time of need. And whenever it is that we need him, he is there and he is there to destroy the enemy. He is there to give that comfort. He offers his presence and his power whenever we need it. And wherever he is, there will be no destruction of us. That's comfort. And then verse seven goes on to say, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So when we're in him, it's like being in that place of refuge. Like if you can imagine the big walled fortresses that they used to have long ago as well. And we're inhabitants of that city. We are within those walls. We are safe within the comfort of that. That's the refuge of God. It brings us comfort. Selah. I feel like the Psalm could just wrap up right there. You know, covered in a prayer, say amen. Let's send everybody home. It's a good point. God gives us comfort when we're in our chaos, right? But that's not it. He has more to say to us. And I just love that I'm actually excited about it. So I hope that you'll get excited about it too. Verses eight and nine go on to say this. I promise you, I won't give you the BS version of this one. I'll just read it straight out of the NIV. Anyway, they say this, come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Now I want you to grab hold of this because not only does God protect us from our enemies, he destroys them. Now it's important for us to remember that God is not a man. Now he of course came in the flesh in Jesus um, at one time, but generally speaking, um, it's not how we think of him, but the poetic writers will use a technique. You're gonna learn a little bit about poetry tonight, everybody. Um, they use a technique called personification. And if bringing you back to your high school days when they would have taught you what that term means, the basic idea is when you just give human characteristics to something that isn't so that people can just understand it better. 
okay? So in our case, in reading these verses, we get to see God painted with the human characteristics of a warrior. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Make no mistake, his reach goes well beyond any one of us, right? You know, when we're in times of chaos and trouble, it's like our worlds become so small because it's difficult for us to see anything beyond that. But our limited focus does not limit his reach. So he breaks the bow and he shatters the spear and he burns the shields with fire. Do you get this? Our warrior destroys every weapon that our enemy tries to use against us. So we can have confidence in his power in the middle of our chaos. Fear, gone. Confusion, see you later. Apathy, poverty, jealousy, rage, done, defeated, over. What's incredible though, now we have to just remember this again because there are limits on what a poet can do. And there are limits on any definition that we would ever try to put on God will only ever give us a fraction of what is truth. It is impossible to capture the true essence of who he is. So this description of this warrior who defeats all these things, he breaks the bow and sets fire to the shields, all of those things, it is just a fraction of the picture of the true power and ability that God has to devastate anything that sets itself up against us. So then what I love is kind of at the climax of this message, you know, we've seen this God's sovereign strength. He's in this moment and then all of a sudden he speaks. Now I hope you know that when God speaks, power goes out from those words, all right? So he says this in verse 10, he says, be still. For those who've been joining us online and in Green Bay, we did that song tonight, be still. They're powerful words. And we read it and we think that it just implies this quiet moment. But the truth of the matter is, it's actually at the height of this activity that God speaks and he speaks the words loudly and boldly, be still. I don't know about you, but when my life is in chaos, I feel like I do pretty good at like praying. And then I start to get busy again. I don't let myself sit in his refuge and his comfort. I get busy. But God's words are, hey, 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 hey. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations because successful warriors are exalted. And I will be exalted in the earth. He's talking about those moments when we feel like we could see the earth crumbling below us. He's sovereign over it all. He has control of all of it. And then the Psalm ends with the restatement of an earlier verse. And I hope you know that when God repeats something in the Bible, it's meant to give emphasis. So he closes the Psalm by saying this, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, the NASB translates this slightly differently and I didn't give it to them for tonight. So I'm just gonna tell you what it says. 
It reads this as the fact that he is the Lord, that the Lord of hosts is with us. Or in other words, the Lord who leads angel armies. So God is our warrior king, but he also has an army of angels working on our behalf as well. And he is with us. Selah. You know, God understands your chaos. He is right there in the middle of it with you. And his desire is to offer you comfort and confidence in your ability to make it through. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. I'm gonna invite our musicians to come back. Because here's the thing. There's a lot of chaos in our world right now. And the world doesn't need the church to be an echo of that chaos. You see, this psalm was not meant to highlight the chaos that's going on. It was meant to reveal it, to acknowledge its impact on us, but the focus is meant to be on God himself, the only one who can give us an alternative to that experience. And I hope you know that the world needs an alternative to what they're experiencing. So the watching world needs to see his comfort and his confidence reflected in us. There's another verse in the Psalms that says, that says, step into the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So as we close things out tonight, we're gonna do that by going right back to where we started. And I'm gonna encourage each of us, those of you who are joining us online as well, I'm gonna encourage all of us to just be still, to be fully present. And as you walk through those gates, remember those big walls that go around the fortress? To get inside, you wanna be in that fortress? This is why we walk into the gates with thanksgiving and into the courts with praise. So it's so important as people of faith that we learn to carve time out to do these things. If you wanna be a reflection of something other than the echo of chaos, then we have to take the steps and initiate in our lives to make sure that we are walking into his place of comfort so that we can confidently experience and trust in who he is and bring that out to our hurting world. So our musicians are gonna play that last song that we did here in Green Bay. Um, and my challenge to you is not only to be fully present, but exercise some thanksgiving as well. Tell Jesus how grateful you are for what he's done for you and allow yourself to just be in his presence and experience the power of who he is in this moment. I'm gonna invite you all to stand with me. I'm gonna close us in prayer and then we're gonna let the music team take it. Father God, oh, I'm so grateful that you are ever present. I'm so thankful, Lord, that we don't have to do this life on our own 
I'm thankful that you give comfort in the middle of the crazy of my own life. And God, I pray that we, your people, would walk into the gates of your refuge, that our mouths would be overflowing with thanksgiving, that our hearts would truly and genuinely worship you in praise. May we just be still, Lord, and experience your full presence with us as well, so that we may know that you are God. In Jesus' name.